Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, we're back. Gypsy Tales, I think this would be chapter five, I think. Uh, and we are with the third place Dakar guy in the bike, Toby One Kenobi. How are you, mate? Fresh back from South America. Fresh back from uh, out there. Um, yeah, just bloody... Nah, it's good. Good to be home and cruise along. How was it? Um, we spoke to you... How long would it have been before you got on the plane from when the, the last podcast was? I think we are literally about one week out from uh, switching over and heading over onto the plane. So, uh, yeah, it was a nice close call. And, um, yeah, now we're all... Uh, all done and finished, back home now and um, kind of relaxing a little bit so it's not too bad. Yeah, it was one of those things where we were talking about the whole Dakar experience but basically expecting kind of... Well, you were expecting nothing, I guess, just based on like the unknown of how little preparation there was because you basically had no training really for it. Yeah, no, that's it, exactly. So um, this year for us, uh, Dakar was basically... Bit of a bit of a hit and miss, and just um, hope for the best, and almost really. So, uh, yeah, we um, basically yeah, just uh, got six weeks under our belt on the bike, and um, to try and be organised and ready. And uh, yeah, we we jetted off, and away we went to um, yeah, basically twelve months to the day since I crashed, and uh, hadn't raced a motorcycle since that day. Uh, was our first day of kick off in the in the Dakar Rally. Yeah, and a lot of people won't know this, mate, but a Barocca almost derailed the entire program. One Barocca. One Barocca, mate. That was, uh, that was the biggest killer of the lot. Everything was going really good. One morning, I just thought I felt a little bit flat and, uh, you know, I just wanted to try and just pick up that bit of energy a little bit. And the next thing you know, my arms just started blowing up like crazy and I couldn't feel my fingers. And, yeah, that, that, that Barocca almost derailed the whole program. So it was pretty, pretty wild. Cheers, Pete. Cheers, Pete. You're a good man. <laughs> um, so how much bike time did you actually get in before you left for Dakar? Because it was, what, a couple of motos? Like a couple of... You tried to do some hour motos or whatever at QMP? Yeah, so it's, we were just trying to get hour motos in each day. And um, I think my 500 EXC had about eight hours on it um, out of the whole year of racing. And, um, and then I think by the time I pretty much packed up and took off and went to South America, I think we ended up with about... 21 22 hours on the bike so uh 
Yeah, so we're probably about like 12, 13 hours um, on the bike before we uh, basically went into the biggest race of the year for us with two weeks of racing and 9,500 kilometres. So I was like, well, everything will come back to me in, um, in that amount of time. So it's, uh, yeah, just, just saddle up and hook in. Uh, did you get to ride, because it was a new bike this year, wasn't it? Did you get to actually ride that new bike much before you raced it, basically? Uh, basically, we just got one day on it before we um, we took off onto the onto the rally. So um, I'd, I'd done a little bit in uh, Morocco. That was just before I'd buggered my leg up again and uh, had to have that second surgery and stuff. So I got a little bit of time, time on it there. Um, uh, and then, yeah, like I say, I pretty much would have got near yeah, an hour to yeah an hour and a half or so um on the bike just yeah a few days leading up to the event and then i uh, went all through scrutineering checks and um passed everything and then uh yeah day one began what was the feeling like at the i guess the event like when you go and you do scrutineering and staging because it must have just even those couple of weeks before you actually went to the race it might, you must have still just felt so far away from actually doing it. Yeah, hundred percent. That's yeah. I felt like I was still miles away, even though we're we're two, three days out from the race and hooking into it and getting going. So um, basically, it'd been a long season for me, and I just um, yeah, the last last two days just felt like it seemed like it took another three hundred and sixty-five days until I was actually going to take off. So um yeah it's yeah that's the worst bit it's nerve-wracking and um it's the worst part of the lead up of the whole race is just those first uh last few days leading up to the event but you're just um yeah once a once a rally kicks off and it basically it just takes full motion and away your day goes and um yeah before you know it you just you start losing track of days you don't know what day it is you don't know what time it is what date is and what anything so it just uh kind of just yeah kind of locks you in a little bit of a bubble and um then you just like you're in a separate world and um yeah competing in this big big event that uh, has been followed all around the world did you ride past the section this year where you crashed um no i, I and actually i rode past it um but you know like a liaison transport section oh, so right. um not like right over like it's not like i could look across to my right or my left and see the exact spot where i was but yeah like I was probably in about a yeah, five-kilometre radius of where, where I'd uh, ended up in my face and whatnot. So, um, But, yeah, I don't know. You just yeah, just kind of forget about that and keep cruising along. What was the media attention like going into it? Was it sort of – was it almost like out of sight, out of mind for you and you kind of come in under the radar a bit? Yeah, for sure. Like there was really no talk, no hype. There was no, no nothing. No one expected anything and um, – which yeah, at the end of the day, like it, it's good to get the media coverage, whatnot, and everything. But yeah, people don't realise how much time that kind of takes off your hands and everything. That's um, to try and be organised and be try and be ready for the race. So you end up um, yeah, like if you got to go and do two, three interviews for the day, sometimes it's like a half hour, forty five minute drive to to get to the next one, and it's um, yeah, you're just missing out on that time to kind of rest and get organized even though like i'd rested pretty much for the whole year really um i hadn't done anything really so it's still just like leading up to that race you're just trying to preserve as much energy as possible to get ready for that race and um look after yourself a bit but uh yeah we um really had no commitments with interview wise and from people of yeah outside of everything and wanting to know what's going on and um people just knew we were there and um kind of at yeah the beginning was just like the just see yeah i don't know really kind of fill another spot on the on the starting list but we uh, we ended up doing 
not too bad in the first week and um yeah starting to set ourselves up not too bad for the second week yeah so i guess like the reason we're doing this podcast really is just to kind of let people know i mean i have i literally haven't even spoke to you about the race um mainly because we were distracted on australia day yeah a little bit of distraction on australia day you know it's um got, it's like america's weird yeah things got a little bit crazy a bit weird and uh yeah, you know, it's, um, yeah, to celebrate Australia Day and then also my third place finish, we just thought we'd have to have a good one and, yeah, some things, yeah, went a little bit crazy and dirt bike in the house and, um, yeah, jet ski in the pool and things like that, but, you know, we'll, uh, we'll keep the rest of that uh, under wraps and that was, that was just the tip of the, uh, the iceberg and some of the uh, icing on the cake at the moment. We had like $300 worth of meat cooked on a barbecue that you didn't even get to eat. Yeah, no, I didn't get none of that stuff. So it was uh, supplied all this food and basically um, starved all night. So it was, uh, yeah, it was like felt like I was back in Dakar training. So let's um, let's just start with I guess the 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 start of the race. Like where where was your head at? Is it one of those things where as soon as the helmet goes on, you just game face and you sort of forget about all the other, or is it the kind of race where you have enough time to sort of think while you're riding and think about? like you know do you drift off or was it just so kind of in the moment when you actually did put the helmet on yeah like it was all kind of in the moment a little bit like at the end of the day um like i say it was pretty much to the day um that i'd crashed um the previous dakar that that was uh, the first day of the whole rally and stuff so um yeah we ended up uh yeah just being a little bit nervous on that first day just to um make sure we get through the whole event and um keep ourselves sorted but it was uh yeah, we, we, we got that monkey off our back and then it was just basically just trying to settle into a, a nice, decent pace and, um, no, it, it kind of felt good the the first four or five days just to be sticking with the front guys and not really losing too much time. Like, even though I think I was, like, nine, ten minutes off the lead um, in that first week, it's still nine, ten minutes is nothing. So it's, uh, yeah, to be that close and to the front guys that have been racing for the whole season and uh myself being a basically a couch racer for the whole year it was um yeah it felt pretty good i was, I was pumped on that um what was it like physically those first few days because that's that's got to be like a pretty massive shock to your body like you i know you're saying like we're joking about the baraka thing but like your hands were literally going numb weren't they yeah i don't know there's um just having some issues in the, with the hands in the first week there and um everything was good when i first started riding back here but yeah i just started having some uh some troubles there and uh but yeah like everything now is good with the hands and stuff i'm sorted but uh yeah the first three four days i was it was not too bad like it was hard riding and sand dunes and stuff and everything but um once you like the fourth day kind of come around till about the eighth ninth day yeah i started to feel a lot of muscles that uh, i pretty much hadn't used uh, uh for the last 12 months so um yeah, the, the the middle part of it, I would have to say, would be would have been the hardest of the whole lot of it. And then, um, I don't know, by the end of it there, where I got my couple of stage wins and stuff, it just felt like I was just starting to get warmed up and get going. So, um, yeah, look, we we just got to make sure we, we look after ourselves this year and um, not break ourselves and just stay fit and healthy. And then I think with 12 months under our belt, we'll uh, we'll definitely come back bigger and stronger in, um, in 19. Is it... I'd imagine, like... I mean, it's as stupid as it sounds. So, like, there, there's a 5K run that I've been doing in Cairns every weekend. So, it's like every Saturday you do this 5K run, and I'm, I've never really done much running before. And the first time you do it, you've got no idea what, like, pacing-wise, how your energy's going to feel, If you, you know what I mean? And then yeah. you do it the next weekend, and you're like, 
oh, like I kind of know where I got to here. And then that third weekend, you sort of do it again, the fourth weekend. So is Dakar kind of getting to be like that for you now where it's like you've kind, you're working out the pacing, you're working out the food side of it, the hydration, the sleep, or, or even is it just like the fact that you know what to expect mentally, it makes it a bit easier. Yeah, it's exactly like that. Like you, you've basically got to yeah, kind of like wing yourself into it and just start to find your feet and um, see how the body reacts after each day's stage and just uh, kind of see where you're at. Like, yeah, it's just being hydrated, the food that you're eating and stuff, whether it's it's giving you enough en- energy for the whole day to burn through so you you might not be eating enough or you might be eating too much and you're yeah, feeling bloated and crappy the next day. And um, But then, yeah, like it's just, like I say, just trying to find your pace and just... Uh, somewhere where it's comfortable that you're not going overboard and, and burning too much energy and you're not like uh, crashing, breaking the bike and just making your days longer and longer for you and, and harder and more physically draining. So it's just, um, yeah, it's it's just like that. You Once you get to a certain point of the day, you go, yeah, okay, I can push here a little bit more and then, um, then you have to kind of have a bit of a break and just try and relax a little bit and just preserve some energy energy and stuff. So it's... Um, but yeah, for us, like, yeah, your 5k loop, you know what that 5k loop is the whole time. So you can go off oh, from this tree to this, yeah. this bit of a paddock next to this fence. I can, I can run flat out, but like, I, I don't know what the track is in front of me. So it's like, you just kind of, kind of pick the terrain as you're going along and say, yeah, okay, this is a bit smoother, a little bit easier, not as rough. I'll, I can push here. And then when it gets, yeah, it gets harder terrain or rocky or, snotty shitty little areas and stuff you go okay i've just got to back it off a little bit now and just uh look after myself and the bike and not wreck anything and then it's yeah just it's as you're going along you just got to make sure you pick the right terrain because there was a lot of dudes that actually went out this year right (laughs) it was crazy actually like it's um i think in the first three four days i think they'd had about a 38 percent strike rate of just kicking people out or not kicking people out of the race but just people bombing out of the race so it's um I think it was day three or day four, we had to start behind um, the vehicles or something like that. And like literally it was like we'd just gone through a wrecking yard, like from start to finish. There was panels, there was ramps, there was tires, there was hoods, there was doors, there was just shrapnel everywhere. And um, yeah, really, yeah, really kind of like started cutting the field down. Those sand dunes and stuff this year are really hard to ride in for us, but it's, uh, for the car guys and the and the truck guys, like literally when they're going up those sand dune banks, like they're just looking to a blue sky, just going, okay, I don't just know, hoping, yeah. well, I don't know what's on the other side. We'll just have to wait and see whether it's a nice gradual downhill or if it's a sand spit where it's just a drop off, or they could drop off the other side and there could be a, just like a sand dune bank hole and they just like bury the front end there and then they're bogged and stuck. So it's uh, it's hard for them and that's yeah we um. Uh, Basically, I came over uh, a sand dune bank there once and um, it was like a bowlerama of like a smash-up derby. There was like six, seven cars and they're trying to get out of this big, massive big hole. So there's just cars just like cutting between each other. It was just... And then, like yeah, like I say, there was just shrapnel in there everywhere. It was um, actually quite scary to try and run between it all because you're just like, I'm waiting for a car to just sideswipe me and, and not see me. So um but yeah no it worked out um yeah we just got through that first week got to the rest day and it um started to kind of flow along pretty well because that one dude got hit by a car or a truck like did you see that that video wasn't it a moto yeah was moto, it a moto moto, dude? It was actually i think it was a chick that was on the bike so she um yeah crashed on the other side of a dune and then a, a, a car come across the other side and um 
Yeah, they would have probably only just seen her for a yeah, like a like split half second. split second, and then um, luckily, like yeah, she just got nicked. Uh, I think the bike got run over on the backside of it, um, like across the rear tanks and stuff. And then she was like knew it could hear something coming, and she kind of dived a little bit, and then just got like just a little nick. Um, but yeah, like the car turned around, came back, and jumped out, and made sure she was okay. And she yeah jumped up on the bike, and away she went again. But that's that's how dangerous the race can be. You don't know what's on the other side of them dunes, and um, uh, you don't know if there's yeah there's people, cars, or anything. So it's uh, it's quite dangerous. I think I even saw a video on Facebook of like a spectator getting hit by one of the big trucks. Yeah, that was going around. It was actually... Um, was that a couple of years ago? I think it was a couple of years ago. Uh, so I saw the same footage as well um, on our rest day and I was like, wow, this is uh, this is pretty pretty gnarly, pretty crazy. But um, yeah, I, I, I looked into it a little bit and some people said, yeah, that was from a previous Dakar like three, four, maybe five years ago. So um, yeah, luckily nothing like that happened uh, in the race this year. And um, But yeah, that's it. Like I say, it's just, just people. Anything can just anything can happen. So yeah. You never, uh, you, you're never safe in that race. Did you actively plan to take that first week before the rest day super conservative? Because obviously you went out on like the fourth day or whatever last year. So like, was that actually a plan, or was it just your body? That's sort of where you were at. No, no, like I, yes, I still still had stuff under my belt that first week, and where we were situated, where we were situated, that was was in a good spot and good place. So. Uh, I uh, I definitely could have pushed more and and got some better results in that first week and yeah as it turned out that second week once some stages started getting cancelled yeah sort of wish I had a bit of time yeah back. I wish I wish I took yeah just took a little bit more I just went a little bit quicker in that first week now to um be a little bit closer to the front but uh, you, you like I you say can't you, you can't plan for that stuff so you don't really know but um, if yeah everything if those two two stages didn't get cancelled the the kind of game plan I I had in place and what I was trying to think up of to try and do I think might have worked out pretty well and uh, and done all right but uh that that first stage it got cancelled is pretty much what threw us in a in a bit of a whirlwind of um uh things to start going wrong and um which and the that that caused uh, the next day for me to uh get lost on that stage 10 so if I um, had known stage nine was going to be cancelled, I wouldn't put, probably pushed as hard on stage eight just to be near the front, like which was I started second. Um, I would prefer to kind of be back around the five six area. Um, yeah. And yeah, so if if I would have known that, yeah, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gone quite as hard. And um, yeah, but we we had that stage cancelled on eight, and um, no stage nine was cancelled. Sorry, and then. Uh, yeah, my fault, my own thing, my my drama and uh, my problem. Yeah, I got I got lost on on stage ten and everything. But um, yeah, then once you lose kilometres when they uh, cancelled that next stage on us, yeah, it just uh, kind of started to seal the deal that um, that one had got away from us. Yeah. So what happened when you got lost? Because you were telling us that you were following a dude that's like pretty local, and you were surprised with how like spot on he was and the speed he was going so like yeah that i I found that pretty interesting that that dude was kind of riding that good you know yeah that's it like no kevin rides really 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 well and um uh but like yeah where we basically camped overnight had our rest day that was his hometown his home area and stuff and i think we only had a 240 kilometer ride in the morning to to get to the start of this next special stage and everything and um 
So yeah, basically, it was his local ground, local area. He, I'm sure, he's been around that area, and um, we've had Dakar there the last uh, two, three years. So it's, um, we know the area a little bit as well. We know it's a tricky area to navigate in, and um, but yeah, in the morning he, um, uh, like I say, I started second. He caught me, uh, probably about 40, uh, 50 kilometer mark, and then. Um, Basically, like I say, I, I jumped in behind him and, um, some, yeah, just the, the speed. He was riding really, really well and um, to hit those uh, points with all the, the waypoints, the hidden waypoints and everything at that speed and really was, wasn't really second-guessing any of his calls and um, every time he made, made an, like a navigation, like a turn or something for a, a cap heading to follow, like it was literally turn on a dime and just wrap the throttle on and and just send it straight out back out into the mountains or send it down along the road do whatever and um he was nailing everything spot on like um every time if yeah we got one of the uh waypoint safety checks and stuff to open up it was basically the arrow was dead straight um in a in like a 900 uh, meter meter radius um the arrow was pointing dead straight it wasn't even crooked soon as we validate that waypoint, um, the arrow disappears and then we're back on our own own thing to try and find all the rest of the points and all the hidden waypoints. And he'd just turn and shoot and point and shoot again. And um, yeah, it was, it was a quick, fast pace to be trying to ride behind him and just follow his lines and then let alone to try and navigate and do that speed as well. So all morning he was nailing everything perfect. And then, um, yeah. So you, just, you were just like, I'm just going to sit in. You're like, you're killing it. Yep. Cheers, bud. Yep. I'm no, coming along for I'm the ride. I'm just coming along for the ride. And was there a group of you guys or was it just you and him? Just me and him for the first part of it. And then we caught um, Antoine Mio, um, my teammate. Uh, we caught him very, very quickly. Um, and then basically from there, we, um, we just got into a group of three. And uh, like I say, it was virtually um, the bit where we got lost was like a, it was about... 150 meters if we went a little bit further um we would have caught the right rio and um and away we went but basically what it was it was uh three three rios that were like side by side i think we had to catch a middle one we took the first one but all the caps that we had um and what's and a what's a rio uh, like a riverbed so yeah, oh, yeah, what, yeah. for us it's rio but yeah it's just Is that like french a, for riverbed yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it's uh it's just yeah, dry, dry riverbed that's there, like a like a big wash basically. That's um, yeah, just like water flows down through when they do have big storms and that. So it was all dry and and dried up, no water, no nothing. But uh, yeah, we basically like 150 meters out um, on our on our distance, and uh, the first one basically was side by side and. Uh, when you when you we took off went started going down the first one all our caps and everything i can't remember the exact whatever it was but it was like 152 degrees or something like this it all was in that area and and lining up and pretty much perfect and then it started to hook a little bit more to the left and we're like ah it's not it's not matching up too much now but then it like started to swing back to the right and then we're back on the right way again um and then a little bit further down like i think about nine ten kilometers down this rio um it ended up, yeah, pretty much taking off a fair bit to the left. And then um, once we got to, I think there was a, uh, a waypoint that was meant to be 12 kilometres down um, down the road uh, in this Rio. And, um, yeah, just never activated, never went off. And we were searching for it. Then we tried to cut cut across, like, some of the some of the banks to get in, hoping if we were in the wrong spot, like in the wrong Rio, it would have been right next to us. And then 
we went across like two k's across there and there was we couldn't see no signs of another rio on so we were like we have to be in the right one like it just something's going on so we went back there again and trying to search for it and then we then come back down the rio we thought we might have gone a little bit too far to the right or left of like one little spot that we needed to go down whatever and um as it turned out, yeah, we were just in the wrong one. And um, we ended up doing only about probably 45 kilometres extra than what we were meant to. And um, and it basically meant, yeah, we lost uh, 50 minutes almost for the day. So that just uh, shoots you in the foot. And that um, sign seals and delivers um, a disastrous day for you. And how long did each of those 59 minutes feel like? <laughs> that... Uh, yeah, when we finally pretty much worked out where we were wrong, um, it felt like it actually felt like we were lost for three hours. Like it just felt like it was forever. Once I got back at the end of the day and um, saw everyone, I was just like, "That's like that's hours and hours I'm behind." And they're like, "Ah, oh, it's not that bad." But yeah, fifty fifty five minutes or something that I lost that day. It was um, yeah, it's it's hard to hard to take once all the race was going really well and then. Um, yeah, basically then it just became a, a race of um, trying to see where we'd situate ourselves by the end of the rally then. So it's uh, just try and chase a podium position. Did you think it was done? Like, did you even think that you'd have the possibility to get on the podium after that? Oh, no, I thought I'd done, I think, I thought I'd done some more damage than that. Like I was then thinking around like a fifth or a sixth place. Um, but then yeah, the following day, yeah, we pushed pretty good and um, we made a lot of time back. And I think then that we... Some other people made some mistakes the following day and we jumped back up into third. So, um, yeah, it was, yeah, a lot of damage was done. But then to recover as, as good as we did, um, for sure, it's not too bad. But I never in the whole year, I never would have ever thought that I was going to be fighting for a podium position on my return trip back to Dakar anyway, like let alone trying to be um, pushing to look like for a win. So, um, yeah, I definitely can't complain with the result we got, but it's uh, we wanted more. That makes sense in a way, but then it like I know you, everyone here knows you, like you know what I mean. So it's yeah. like it does, it makes sense that you are stoked on a podium. But are you really stoked on a podium? Definitely, really stoked on a podium. But I know it could. But have you been know, more. you could do better. I, I know it can be better, and I know it could have been better. So it's just, uh, yeah, it's just. I don't know. So you, we all make mistakes, and it's um, yeah, that was one of my big ones. So it was just uh, yeah, kind of you sit here a little bit and you think yeah, you let that slip one, that one slip away, um, making that one mistake, and basically like I say, being 150 meters, and it would have been a different story, I think. But it's um, one note pretty much destroyed it, and that's that's just how it is. But uh, yeah, look, I, the main thing is yeah. I'm happy to walk away from that one not injured. Um, I've got now 12 months under my yeah. belt to get ready and organise for the next one. And um, just to top it off, yeah, like it's three podiums in four times I've started. So every time I've crossed that finish line, I've been on the podium. So it's um, I'm happy with that, which is which is rad. But uh, yeah, for sure, we I always want that top step. It's um, it, it's what I'm paid to do. So it's uh, yeah, if, if it's not that top step, um, it's it's really not good enough. But it's um, at the end of the day, it, it is a good result. Yeah, that that stat of every time you finish, you've been on the box. I wonder. I mean, oh, yeah, we should probably look it up. But like, I wonder if anyone's done that to where every time they finish the race, they've actually got on the podium. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure there would be some solid solid rides like that. I think like Mark Comer and Cyril Dupree and stuff like. Literally, the race has gone from probably those two guys in the last eight, nine, ten years, or whatever, um, of being the guys that will win the race no matter what. 
um, to that now there's like it's a little bit six to ten guys that could easily win the race. So uh, it's a little bit more wide open. There's a lot more competition. The speed's definitely lifted a lot. Um, not that I've raced against Cyril Dupree or Coma and that in their era and their time, but uh, I'm sure as anything, yeah, the pace is definitely um, it just, lifted, it lifted just a lot more. It just makes sense, yeah, that the bikes get better and you know yeah. more about the event. People put more money into the event. Like, it sort of makes sense that the pace goes up. Yeah, like, you can't sure. compare, like, Emig's championship to Villa Poto's. Like, it's just, no, it's not even, I was actually yeah. having this combo with the mate the other day. Yeah. Because when I spoke to Dunge, I was like, you've pretty much raced everyone except Everts in his prime. And then he started listing off all these names. I was like, dude, it's not the same sport. Yeah. yeah, yeah like that's yeah. literally you're comparing two people that really aren't even doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. So it's, yeah, it's it. It's like trying to get um, McGrath and Emig to race their 97 Supercross championship bikes and saying to Dungey ride the 97 model KTM 250 and race against them and then see how you fare up like so it's uh it, it's just two yeah it's like it's two different um eras you're kind of comparing and whatnot um every race results badass and doesn't matter who it is and who won it but it's yeah it's just they're two, two different areas to be trying to compare with the only exception of ronnie mack <laughs> ronnie mack mate yeah she's uh because he would win like we just know that he would win regardless so like all those championships chad's Ricky's, exactly. Filipotos, they've all got a massive asterisk next to them. Exactly. The, the, the style that guy's got, like so it's, it's, one it's unbearable. Like it's, it's unmatchable by anybody. So uh, he keeps saying that, yeah, you ride red and get head. I think it's uh, more like, yeah, mullet gets chicks in bed. So we'll, we'll wait and see. But uh, yeah, it would have, um, yeah, we'll have to try and match up with him one day and um, see if we can sort that bloke out in a rally bike or something. So it'd be a pretty bit of a laugh. Dude, I'd pay to see him on a rally bike. <laughs> He'd probably be sick, though. Yeah, true. I just, yeah, he seems to be able to climb on anything and um, have a good old crack. So, uh, yeah, no, it's um, yeah, two just just two different areas and two different lots of bikes and bikes have improved so much since then. But it's um, yeah, the only guy that can do it at the moment is Ronnie Mack. The um, the mindset that you would have had going into last year. So you come in as the defending champ. You've got. Uh, like you went third, then you've won. Those first four days, were you just on attack too much because of like, I guess the confidence that you had coming into it? And then what was it like this year? Almost like you, you would have for sure had doubts in yourself of even finishing the race. I'm sure in like some little part in the back of your head. Mm. So I was like, what's it like racing Dakar with all the confidence in the world and then basically no confidence? Um... Yeah, both both are pretty scary, pretty much. So it's uh, yeah, to have have uh, the whole year go really well for you. You won Dakar. The year went extremely well. Got good results. Uh, won the last round of the World Championship in Morocco, leading up into Dakar. Um, navigating and stuff was going well. But yeah, look, we just made some small uh, mistakes and um, this year kind of pushed a little bit when we didn't need to in in the uh, return year back as a as a reigning champ. But um, yeah, it, it's the same thing as just like some other stuff just added up to what what happened that stage as well, and um, and it's the same as what happened this year. Some other stuff just was out of my control that um, gave us the result kind of pretty much we got. So it's uh, uh, except for the one stage where, like I say, I made the mistake. But it's um, yeah, like I really didn't have any expectations at all of this one this year, and um, I think yeah, I don't know. It's it, it sometimes works out better for you. So you just you. 
you're not expected of, to do anything too much and people aren't um, always in your face trying to get answers out of you or what, yeah. what's going on. But, um, yeah, it's just uh, it's just one of those tough races. You just need to be there and just like just, just keep ticking off days and um, kind of hope some things will fall in your hand, in, in your lap a little bit, but then uh, also just, um, yeah, push hard when you need to. Yeah, it's just almost got to be one of those things where it's sort of... That's what's crazy about the way that Coma and Cyril did it because it seemed like they just always had that. Like, it just didn't matter. Like, they were always there. So, I guess it's just one of those things or... I mean, maybe is it like you feel like you've got a couple more times and then you've got the formula figured out and you can really know when to push and when to back off. Like, is it just a race that takes that time? I think it does a little bit. Like, it's um, it's something that, yeah, you need to just do more of and just um, know what the body's going to feel like in two weeks' time and just, yeah, just learn of how everything's going to be. But it's, um, yeah, there's really... I, I can I can try and sit here and tell you now like a, a winning formula to, for Dakar, but it can be completely different next year yeah. when I go. And it's um, no no year is the same. And um, the, if you try and approach like if I try and approach Dakar next year the way I took the year I won, like it it probably won't even work ever again. Like it just uh, things just went my way in the one I won and then I, I, I had a good controlled like race where I just did things right when I needed to and just things all my stars aligned and everything was match perfect and then yeah it, it ended up being a, being a win and so this year it was pretty much the same like I just uh everything I was lining everything up and then just yeah got the stage 10 and one one star was a little bit to the right and just didn't quite match so it's just uh yeah, it's just there's no formula to it. It's just um, whatever can kind of happen and um, what you can what, what you can do with it. Was it? Um, oh, Jason, no. <laughs> was it? Um, it just lost me bloody train of thought now. Ah, what was I gonna say? I was Mate. gonna say something. I've always got something. To You've say. always got something to say. That's for sure. What was I? Oh, I thought he had a good point, bloody Jason Waters. So we got this is bloody Burley Cruise in full effect at the moment, isn't it? Mate. Burley. Burley apparently is a place to be, but it's big distraction down here. So what, On the what, beach and all. <laughs> what, you, what were you t- we're talking about? Dakar, weren't we? Oh, were we? Um, Dakar, Dakar. What's, what's Dakar? Uh, can you tell me a bit of a story about Dakar or what? No, nah, mate. This is your turn to tell stories. Uh, the gypsy tale of Dakar, eh? Um, bloody action-packed. Action-packed. We're on iTunes now. That's a, that's a good thing. Big bonus, mate. There you go. Moving up. They Moving up us, in the world. They let us in. You have to get accepted, you know. Like, you can't just put stuff on iTunes. Yeah, dude, that's yeah, true that, true that. So, mate, going worldwide. Worldwide, wide, wide. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, oh, that's what I was going to say. Here we go. The, uh, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back, guys. So, what was cool was that it sort of went to shit. You lost a bunch of time and then... But it just the, the support in Australia didn't like waver. People were just still go Toby, you got it, you got it. You know what I mean? Like, is it pretty rad for you because you're you're over there and you're seeing a lot of the stuff that's that's being said. So, is it pretty rad that you've got a whole country behind you that no one like everyone still thought you could win, even though it's like it's an hour behind. Yeah, that's it. Like it was. Um, it's always amazing each year that I do that race and. Um to see the support I get from Australia and everything. So it's, uh, it actually, it still, still blows me away um, to how many people, 
yeah, like I, I don't get to see everything. Like literally each afternoon, I might probably get two, three minutes on social media just to kind of just quickly scroll stuff. And Is that the hardest part of the Dakar rally for you? It is, mate. It is. There's no Tinder in Dakar. It's uh, it's, it's disgraceful. So, no. Um, <laughs> oh, but, yeah, it's, it's no social media, mate. It's like you cut off from the world. It's like your arms actually get cut off. So, it's... Uh, yeah, I, I get a little bit of time each afternoon just to check out some stuff and whatever and what's going on. But, um, yeah, when basically you, you scroll to your feed and stuff like that and you see, yeah, heaps of people have liked your post and then you check your, they'll see your comment post and everything and it's like four or five hundred comments and stuff there of people just going, keep pushing hard. Yeah, we're following you. We've been staying up early each each night and checking out your results and first thing yeah with our coffee in the morning at five o'clock we check the results of dakar and no it's um it's it's really really cool to see that and um it's yeah like i keep saying everyone i i I really appreciate that support and and it's definitely something that keeps uh keeps you motivated and and pushing along and and trying to keep near the front and um represent i guess so it's basically keep that aussie flag flying high so what stage was it that you had that crash um i think it was stage uh stage seven i think so stage six or seven had one little get off there and um basically yeah it was just uh like in some soft sand and soft like dunes and everything and um kind of just dropped off this little bank and it um yeah basically picked me up and put me on on my stomach and went yeah surfing on my stomach a little bit Mate, I would have shit myself if I had a crash like that at Dakar. Oh, mate, I would have shit myself too, and I literally did. So that's the worst. Yes, part. yes. Yeah, um, probably, yeah, not, not Tell too. Tell the people about your bloody oh, shitty mate. crash. Mate, it was a shitty crash. It was a shitty crash, literally. It's, um, yeah, like I say, it picked me up, basically uh, sat me on my stomach, and then um, uh, the bike basically chased me down and smacked me in the back and um, burst my camelback so I was drenched, and then um, just... I don't know, it just hit me in a really good point somewhere in my back that I hope I never find again, and it just popped a little piece out, and um, <laughs> yeah, I actually had to sit and... Are we talking like solid, or are we talking not super solid? Not not, not super solid, so it was like, it was, once I got back on the bike, I, I once it hit me in the back, I was like, I think I'm winded a little bit, and I'm like, well, I think I may have may have just shit myself a little bit as well and they're like no 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 it's all good it's all good so climb back on the bike and basically as soon as i sit on the seat i'm like yeah oh, yep no i've definitely uh, <laughs> definitely soiled my jocks so it's uh yep and i look at the road book and go yep got another 190 kilometers of that to go so i uh yeah i'm in for a great afternoon so um basically finish the stage and uh pull up next to my team and my crew and they go yeah hey hey good job well done it's good to see you here and how was your day i said um it was okay but i shit myself so it's uh so the boys just kind of like took one or two little steps back and went yeah well did they take um, you literally when you said you shit yourself or did it take a second for them to be like oh fuck he's actually shit his pants yeah i think yeah i think they just thought it was a little bit of a joke at the the start and i'm like yeah this didn't doesn't feel too good at the moment and then um yeah they started to take me a little bit serious and so like i say they they took their little one little two little shuffle steps back and um kind of just like leaned in and just gave me a quick pat on the back and said all right yeah we'll see you at the end of the day and get out of here we don't want to uh we don't want to be um smelling that around here at the moment so is that gear still in south america yep that's still in south america in a garbage bin somewhere floating around so uh yep got rid of that stuff pretty quick i feel bad but when you told me i was like we gotta talk about that 
Yeah, I tried <laughs> Sorry, to leave. Sorry, mate. <laughs> 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 I to want to leave that one to, to my my gypsy tales of my in my memories and and thoughts, but that's out there now. It's out there. It's in the too world. good of a story yeah. not to tell. Like, it's not a you, good story to tell. Say, I shoot myself. So. Did you go faster because you shit your pants? You reckon? Because you like you got to be just over it. Going, no, Fuck. no, it's it's the most uncomfortable thing to do. So it's like you're trying to shift and move and get off it, and it's like it it, it actually distracts you more than anything, really. So. And I definitely wasn't going to pull up and just pull the old strides off and um, ride in basically nah, with nothing underneath. Time. So that's it's like, yeah, I wasn't going to do the old Ronnie Mac and have the knee braces on the outside and, yeah, hook in and cruise long. So I just, uh, yeah, unfortunately, just got to finish the day. You do hear of people shitting all the time when they're racing and riding and doing, like, sport things. like Yeah, but I'm pretty sure people don't talk about it. No, yeah, they do. Not, not too often. Sorry, mate. I'm sorry. I'm. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Actually, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, not sorry. Hashtag. So when you um when you start to pull back a bit of time, do you start? Does the mental side start switching to like you know what I actually might if because it was so close that if Mateus had any sort of dramas because second was right there, and then if it's Mateus, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah yep, if yep. he had. Any sort of dramas, then you were really back in there. Yeah, that was like um, it was still up in the air. Like it, as it turned out, yeah, I finished third. So uh, even if he had troubles and issues and stuff, yeah, I, I would have maybe end up in second. So it's uh, just yeah, just the way the role how it all happened. But yeah, like it was still yeah, even though we were 50 minutes down on stage 10 and still had four stages to go, I think we pulled it back to like 22 minutes or something like that. So it was like. It was still a fairly damn close race, but it was just, um, yeah, like anything could have happened. But uh, as it worked out, like the way the results are there, it's not not too bad. Like a KDM still got up on top step and um, kept that win streak going, which is rad. Yeah, what's that at now? 17. So it's um, 17 years in a row. So far out, we're going to have to, we at least got to have to try and crack off two more um, between all four of us on the team and get it up to that 20. That would be a pretty rad streak to have. But um it's getting harder and harder each year, that's for sure. And I think that's definitely a big pressure point that comes along as um, everyone kind with of... With being on KTM. With being on KTM, that builds up each year, year after year. And they're like, oh, can KTM add another one to it? And can okay, and then then it happens. Okay, well, now they're going to add another one to it. And it's like, it just... It just you just don't up. want to be that guy. You just don't want to be in that part of it, of being the first ones to let it fail, really. So it's... um. Um, yeah, Comer and Cyril basically just kept that whole system going, and um, yeah, it's just uh, that's that's the scariest thought of being a part of that group that kind of like let it slip away that first time. But um, yeah, now look, we've got a really good, strong team, and um, not only in the riders, but I think it's more so yeah, the, the behind the scenes stuff of the the mechanics and the the team and the crew and stuff like that that really make the whole the whole package come together to make it win. Are you excited to have a chance to actually prep for Dakar now? Like, are you more motivated off this third than the time you got your first third? Yeah, for sure. Look, it's um, I'm excited for a whole twelve months under my belt this year, and um, and and keep riding and and keep training. So it's uh, yeah, if we, if that's what we can do in six weeks, I'm 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 going to be pumped to get twelve months under my belt. So uh, 
yeah, at the moment, for sure, we're definitely keen to have a little bit of a break. And even though, like I say, I've, I've been off the bike for, for 12 months. Um, yeah, it's got to it's got to it, be it, gnarly, it, though. Like, two weeks of anything, you're going to want to just chill for a bit. Yeah, you're going to want to chill and um, relax and just, yeah, catch back up again, And which, yeah, we, we, we'll do. And um, But, yeah, it won't, won't take too long before we start uh, preparing and getting ready for some more stuff. Yeah, so straight, we kind of rushed this podcast in today because tomorrow you're going to the States. United States of America. Son. Son. Um, so what's that What's that for? What do you got planned, mate? Um, you know, it's just, yeah, kind of have a little bit of a break, bit of a holiday, getaway type thing. And, um, yeah, it's going to be one of them guys that uh, we're going to go over and watch the Parker 425 race, uh, catch up with some friends over there from all the trophy truck racing and stuff. And, um Basically, also, it's a bit of a call to try and get all stuff organised and ready for the Fink Desert race for me here back in Australia. So I need to get I need to get some parts for the truck and that ordered and everything like that. So we're just uh, we'll go over there and basically just get a little shopping trolley in the guys the brothers um, shop and um, start pulling things off shelves and um, ordering some bits and pieces. So uh, yeah, just then the best part is just going to catch up with all the boys over there and um, relax a little bit and um, maybe have a have a beer or two and um, swing a shirt around up in the air and be one of them hooligans on the side of the track yelling and screaming at people. Take a six-pack of GNs over, mate. Pack it, oh, mate, can't, can't go past a good old Great Northern, so it's uh, it needs to be, yeah, need to take that little mango over with us. And then off to France. Half to France and go and eat some snails. What are you doing in France, mate? Um, is that secret? No, not, no, it's not secret. No, we're going to go there and um, cruise along and just... Uh, Catch up with Antoine Mio and um, PH Motorsport crew, which they're a team that uh, own rally cars and a team in uh, Dakar with a, one of the, the uh, Peugeot um, Dakar rally cars. So, uh, yeah, we've got, um, by the sounds of it, we're going to have a little bit of a, a drive and a bit of a test in some rally cars and, um, yeah, just have a bit of fun and just cruise along with that. The option came up basically when yeah, I got- how did that happen? Uh, like basically it came up from, um, Antoine Mio being in my same, same camper. Uh, so we bunked together in our camper and whatnot. And, um, he knows the owner of, uh, PH Motorsport and he'd come over every afternoon and see how Mio was going. And basically I just introduced myself and started chatting. And then it, uh, turned out that he goes, oh yeah, I, I've seen some stuff. You, you race, uh, trophy trucks and cars and stuff. You enjoy this, do you? And I'm like, yeah, it's just, it's a fun hobby for me at the moment and just something to do to, fill in some spare time and um, I said yeah once the two wheels finish I want some four wheel racing to go into and um, just get my feet wet wherever I can and um, he's like oh, okay cool yeah that's really nice to hear and da 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 and once the race had finished like I say I, I flew out um, the very next day after the race and then uh, once I, I landed in New Zealand for a stopover and yeah, just uh, I checked some social media stuff, and um, yeah, he'd, he'd sent me an inbox and said, "Hey, if you're uh, slid in, yeah, to slid the into DM, the DMs, son. yes, like, that was a good old slide in DM that one." So, would you rather that slide, like Perzo Rally Factory? Like, what would you rather? Like, who, who's a? The, I'd rather a rally car slide into my DM. That's, that's what for I'm sure. thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Like, <laughs> Pet, yeah, that's yeah. petrolhead life yeah. right there. Yeah, that's that's pretty committed to petrolhead life and um, yeah, enjoying and race and motorsport stuff. So, uh, no, so, it was so cool. So slid into your DMs. We slid that. into the DM. We just decided that and um, just said, hey, if you're free on the seventh of February, um, we've got some cars. We're going to go test, and um, would you be interested in coming across and? I think by the time I'd read the message, I'd already started looking at flights in between. And um, shout out to Ainsley. Shout out to Ainsley. She's a boss, getting it done for me. And uh, yeah, books and flights. And um, 
away we go. We're going to go and try it out and see where we're at and what's happening. So, uh, yeah, the boys are saying that I think Sebastian Loeb's going to be there um, testing some cars as well. So I'll uh, I'll show him a thing or two and just give him a few tips on, from my side. And, um, you know, yeah. They hopefully. got like the whole finish flick. You should show him the think flick, mate. I'll, I'll show him the think flick, all right. I've, I've, done, I've perfected that one pretty well, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's um. To quote Jackson Richardson, shit just falls in your lap, mate. Oh, mate, yeah, just just falls out of the sky, straight, in, straight in my hand, eh? Like I just, yeah, nah, it's crazy. So, no, nah, that nah. will be sick, but like, yeah. there's not many people that actually get a chance to drive a full rally spec, and I'm sure what you'll learn off Sebastian Loeb because he he was decent at rally cars. Oh, I think he's fairly decent. I've heard the name before. Like, yeah, rings a bell. Rings, rings a, bell. a bell. Like, yeah, about yeah, for about I think it's at least ten world titles or something like. That. I think it is. Uh, yeah, so he, yeah, I think he knows what he's doing a little bit. But like, talk say, about a sport where so much shit can go wrong. Like, it's like Dakar, mini Dakar, but a series mm, in yeah. cars that are just on like the razor edge and literally on the razor edge of mountains. Like, if you win ten world titles in that. You're a fucking G. Um, Sebastian Loeb, you're a G. Yeah. Are you trying to scare me right now? Like, <laughs> no, you should be scared. I will be for sure. Like, if I get in the car Wait, with this I would bloke not get in the car with him. Like, I mean, I probably would, but fuck that would be gnarly. Yeah, don't worry. The seatbelt will be strapped in tight. Don't worry. So, uh, no, it'll be cool. That's it. Just um, go over there and check all that out and see what uh, they're... Um, Definitely do not know anything at all what, what would be planned later in the future or anything of it. But when the option comes up and whatnot, you can't pass them up and yeah, it's just say, a bit yeah, of fun. yeah, it's just, yeah, it's a bit of fun, really. And it's just uh, filling a little bit of time and, um, yeah, just uh, try it out. So it's, uh, but yeah, it's it. If I go and do it and do well, you never know what it could hold for me in the future. And um, if I go there and do really, really bad, then I know what it's going to hold in the future and it's not going to drive a car. So it's, uh, but no, I think we, we, we've got a little bit of skill in that area. And um, yeah, being around that guy of uh, Sebastian Loeb, being the badass that he is, um, I think, yeah, if I sit there and watch and learn some of his feet control and hand control and uh, yeah. how he controls the car and stuff and where he situates everything, it'll help me later on in the future and um, hopefully help me in a good old uh, Geyser Brothers trophy truck here at Fink and um, we'll send it down through there in June. I will say, though, if I got given the choice between driving a rally stage with Sebastian Loeb in the co-driver seat or a double around Phillip Island with Casey Stoner, I would feel so much better about being in a car. Mm, yeah, true. Not that I wouldn't trust old Casey Stoner on the old two wheels, that's for sure, but I don't know, it's just something about metal and steel oh. that's wrapped around you. It just... Uh, inspires confidence. It does, it does. It sometimes it inspires too much confidence and it goes pretty wrong. So, you, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. But um, yeah, well, Casey's up for a double. Um, if he doesn't mind a bloke, hugging him from, <laughs> from on, on a Ducati with him and uh, for a lap of Phillip Island, mate, I'll, I'll put my hand up for that as well. So um, set it up, mate, get it done. Casey is not a big dude. <laughs> Toby's a big dude. I just picture, has anyone seen, uh, have you seen that James Franco and Seth Rogen um, like music video when they ripped off Kim Kardashian? No. So you remember the music video where, I'll put it on the video. Right, yeah. They're Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. So like she's wrapped around Kanye. Yep. And Kanye's like, Bound singing the song, right. and then James Franco <laughs> and Seth Rogen, like you know Seth. Yeah, I yeah. see it. Yep. So they they did a um, like a mock deal 
of it where like he's on the back of the motorcycle he's got no shirt on he's like all sweaty oh. that's literally the mental image i'm getting of you and casey stoner on a decay i'm gonna have some leathers on mate i'm not gonna be on there no shirt Come yeah it's on. not it's nothing to do with like your looks or the dad bod it's more about the uh just the size differential yeah don't worry the top speed won't be too good and i'll be catching a lot of wind don't worry because ain't much of stoner so he's yeah he's gonna be hidden behind a windshield and i'm just gonna be catching everything up on the top just got bop, bop. <laughs> it probably will, will stand, mate. So she'll have she'll have plenty of traction. That's for sure. I had a chance, uh, like years ago, at the Queensland whatever where they race like the superbikes, and they're like, I was filming for KTM. And they're like, do you want to go on the superbike? And I, I'd never even met the dude that was like, I was there filming him. I think it was Shannon Johnson actually. Yeah, you know Shannon. Yeah, I know Shannon. And he's yeah, a yeah. legend now. And I was like, but they're like, yeah, yeah. Do you want to go on this? And it's like. Um, when you, when I'm filming and I'm doing like helicopter shit, yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. like they're like, oh yep, so Alaska was a good example. Met the pilot for like five seconds, and this yeah. dude. Then I trust this guy to strap me in to a helicopter, <laughs> and then like I'm supposed to just stand on the skids. So it's that same thing. It's like if you trust somebody, but you're just handing your life over to yeah. complete strangers. Hundred percent. Casey, you'd trust. Casey, you'd trust, and Sebastian Loeb, you'd trust. I think. I think I'm in good hands if I got yeah to double on the back of a bike with Casey and. Being a passenger seat of a uh, car with him, so I, with Sebastian, so we'll, I think I'm in pretty good hands. That'll be sick. I'm I'm keen for the Instagram stories that come from that. You'll have to save them. You know, you can like save them now to your oh, profile. Oh yeah, you can save them to your yeah, front you, profile. But then now you can rewatch it like in years to come. So that's what you need to do. Oh, that's uh, the move, mate. When I'm 60 years old, I can't wait to look back on that one story of uh, <laughs> driving me, a rally car. Me and yep. Seb. Yeah, me and Seb. We're calling him Seb now. Seb, hanging out for the day. Oh, <laughs> uh, and so Jesse's going to come over as well. Yeah, as it works. He's yeah. a savage. Jesse's a savage, dude. Jesse is an absolute badass legend. Give Rad. people some background on Jesse, man. Jesse Jones is Jesse, the poo. mate. He's um, yeah, he's just one one off round, all round, really good guy. Like he just literally. Uh-huh. So who is he for the people that don't know? So Jesse Jones, he's a pretty much off-road legend, badass trophy truck racer in the States. Um, so basically the year after I'd done the double at Fink and uh, finished second in the truck and first on the bike. Um, Jesse saw all my videos. Um, yes, yeah, so apparently he saw all these videos that some random bloke I pulled off the street to uh, make some videos and stuff for me. And um, apparently he did a pretty good job named Jace McAlpine or nah, something. Come on, so. I wasn't fishing that hard. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, he, um, and then it was in through the connection a bit as well with uh, Rick Geyser. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, that same year, um, Bryce Menzies was kind of going through um, some, injury some stuff, injuries with his, with his wrist and everything. And uh, wasn't going to make the Baja 1000. And that was a year I was coming off um, the win at Dakar as well. So it was, it was kind of got a bit of a crossbreed promotion, a bit a little as well. But I'd, I'd known Jesse since 2013, I think I met him um, at the Baja 1000 when I was there with the KTM team and everything. Um, and Oh, I didn't know you met him all the way back there. Yeah, yeah. So like I... So like 2000, end of 2012, start of 2013, I'd met um, Jesse um, from from all the stuff I was doing in the States with the KDM team there. And um, just kind of like, yeah, met him once, clicked and went really well. And um, 2013 come around and I just hung out with him more there with Bryce and everything because I'd, I'd known Bryce from the Rebel Day in a Dirt uh, yeah. event and everything. And then... Um, and then after the year, yeah, that was uh, when Kurt passed away in 2013 that then KDM pulled the pin with um, 
with all the rallies, uh, with the, the Baja assault type things. So uh, 2014, um, I just finished the six-day enduro, I think, in Argentina, actually. And um, I pretty much just was out of the blue, just went, bugger, I'm going to want to go to the Baja 1000. So I rang Bryce and just said, hey, is it cool if I come and change tyres, jack your truck? pass your water like scrub your helmet i don't care just want to come and hang out and see what i see the baja again and just be around that that, that race and everything on like and the truck side though just on the truck side yeah so i was literally not racing not doing nothing i was i was going there to be pretty much a, just a fan just a fan and just be a pit bitch and um help the boys out and um so yeah basically when i rocked up there i seen bryce and jesse and that and they're like far out you've just finished second in the world at the isd enduro races and stuff and now you're here like cleaning our helmets and washing washing our truck and wiping things down and pushing the truck through tech inspection and stuff they go world champions don't do that stuff and i'm like yeah but uh, i'm not too stressed i just want to come and hang out with you boys and have some fun so i think that's what kind of yeah push like jesse worked out like yeah i was a rad dude and just wanted to hang out and be with the boys and do do some fun fun shit really and um yeah and then from there he just kind of kept in touch and we always spoke once a month and stuff and was a good dude and then uh like i say then once i did that result at fink with the the double with the truck and the bike um rick geyser basically went back and just said hey she's for a guy that's never steered a trophy truck before and almost beat everyone in australia and um steered one like yeah like pretty damn good um yeah you should look at trying to get toby in the truck so literally like within yeah, a week or so, um, Jesse rings me and goes, hey, would you be interested in racing the trophy truck at Baja 1000? Oh, uh, yes. And I'm like, uh, race it? Like, literally be at the steering wheel? He goes, yeah, yeah, for sure. Jump in it. And I'm like, there's no second guessing at that pretty much. And, um, yeah, that was it was rad. So it's uh, kind of where the thing with Jesse's kind of kicked off and everything. But then, like you say, um, he, he kind of, uh, like, that's what I'm going to go over and see him for the Parker 425 race and then, um, when I got the option to go and do these rally car stuff, um, he saw my story on Instagram and said, oh, you're going to France. He goes, what are you doing there? And I'm like, oh, testing rally cars and stuff. And but he goes, sweet, can I book a ticket and come with you? So, like, that's just how random Jesse is and how much of a badass that he is. He's just like, yep, sweet, I'll take some time off work. And, uh, like, he he owns his own business and everything, so he can he can do his own thing, whatever. But uh, he's just like, yep, sweet, I'm coming with you and going to ch- come check it all out and have a rad time with you. So... No, it's um, it's cool, cool for Jesse to come and um, come and check it all out as well, and I'm um, looking forward to catching up with uh, him and um, see what yeah what what Parker Four Two Five is all about. So uh, should be good. Yeah, so let's get just back to Dakar. We'll probably in like an hour. We'll probably like start shutting it down. Yeah, but, shutting um, down pretty soon. You talk too much, mate. Oh, mate, I'm, I haven't got a word in like last <laughs> time. Um, so yeah, we'll just I guess finish off like those last couple of days of Dakar because um, for people listening, we didn't want to talk about the event and like the whole thing because we we went pretty deep on Dakar in the last podcast. Mm. So if you finding this one and you haven't listened to the last one, a lot of Dakar info is in the last one. Yeah, but I just wanted people to hear from you in like a long form like you know you do the little triple m or sunrise soundbite you don't really kind of get the story so it's like yeah let's just tell your side of you know sort of what happened but yeah so like winding down those those last couple days after you shit yourself yep (laughs) yep sweet yeah it's so out there (laughs) Uh, yeah uh wait can we get a poo emoji on your 
pans for next you year. You just have to put one like somewhere just down here on the screen and stuff. Just no, one I want a butt around. patch, like a butt patch. Can oh, we get that geez. done? All right, <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to bring up old Alp on Stars and <laughs> uh, make sick. sure, yeah, we get a little poo emoji on the back of it. Hey, mate, it worked. Uh, yeah, well, true. Got you on the yeah. box. <laughs> but yeah, so when you, you know, you started feeling, feeling good, you started making up time again, I guess, you know, what's that thought process going into those last few days? Yeah, that was it. Like, everyone was starting to go roll along really well. We were starting to make up some of that time in the last four stages and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, look, it was um, still not out of reach. I was trying to push pretty hard for a second and everything. And um, stage 12, 13, um, we ended up getting a couple of stage wins and clawing a bit more time back, which is rad. And um, How yeah. good did just the, the stage win feel? Like, to actually... Because at that point, you'd been kind of cruising along... Yeah. I don't think you were really pushing super hard for stage wins. I feel like you were more watching just the time from first. Yeah. But yep. to actually get a stage win, yep. it must have felt pretty good. Yeah, for sure. That's it. Like I got a stage win on um, on stage uh, 12 and then stage 13, I actually had to lead the stage out and got another stage win. So, um, yeah, like it, it, I, I know all, the, all that side of things, my riding, everything were going really well and starting to pick everything back up again and starting to feel like I was getting into a groove in that second week, which is really good. So uh, I know my pace is still there, even though like I've been on the lounge for yeah, pretty much 12 months, um, lounge racing really. And uh, so, yeah, I think that's that's a, a good confidence boost for me straight up. But if, yeah, coming off the lounge like that, um, we're, we're back on pace. It, it's cool to get us a couple of stage wins and, and show, I guess, KDM that, yeah, we're still, we're still the same person, still there. And um yeah, once we get that time, we'll be we'll be good to go again. So, yeah, we just look. We just try to keep some pressure on, and um, look, I it was going to be hard to try and get into second. It was definitely extremely hard to get into first, but we just try to keep pressure on as much as we could, just like by doing those couple of stage wins that they might have thought, oh, he's going to push again the next day, and they're going to try and push himself, and then trying to like force him into a mistake or something go wrong or anything like that. Like it just. Uh, didn't quite work that way, but um, yeah, I think it yeah, kind of gave them a little bit of a uh, hot feet, just trying to make sure they move along and get it done. But uh, yeah, it was good to get those ones and uh, under our belt. And then uh, yeah, basically finish off. It was just a massive, huge, big relief to cross that finish line on uh, day 14. And um, just yeah, no, we were done and dusted with the race and um, survived one in one piece. And um, they come away with a little nice. Dakar paperweight doorstopper. No, it's not as big as Felix. <sighs> it's not as big as Felix. So uh, we've got to chase that one down again. But um, Felix wants a brother, man. He does. He does. He wants a big brother. So he's same size pretty much. So he wants a twin. We, yeah, need, we get, need to get him a twin. Let's get so. Felix a twin. <laughs> so um, no, no, it's, it, it's all good. We're, uh, we're pumped. We're happy with, um, with everything. But uh, yeah, we want more. Toby Price, cheers, mate. Thanks for coming on Gypsy Tales once again. And you still got merch for sale? What's the plan with still that? Still got merch for sale. Um, it actually has gone pretty extremely well, so I appreciate everyone's support with that. But, yeah, for sure, climb onto my website, www.tp87.com.au. Um, there is a merchandise uh, shop uh, there, and basically, yeah, click away. Add to your cart and uh, do a nice little checkout and, um, yeah, it'll be rad. So it's, it's all going really well. So actually I just have put another order in for some more stock. Uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks we will start to make a couple of more designs um, that we will release out in time and 
Um, very, very shortly, we're going to have uh, some stubby coolers that are going to come out. Wee, wee, So we can uh, celebrate um, for next Australia Day. And, yeah, I'm, um, I'm down with that. Hell yeah. And then uh, I think, yeah, we'll try and start on some sticker sheets and, and, and caps. So, uh, yeah, it's um, it, it, the response from it at the moment has gone really, really well. And um, no, I appreciate the support. It's pretty cool. So uh, definitely click on there and check it out. And shout out to the homie. At the big bash that caught a six. Hell yes. What a legend. That was a badass. We have to so, shout him out. Yeah, did, we have did, to, did anyone find out who he was or anything? I was I was literally I put the word out to try and chase the guy down. Um I think that was while I was just getting organized to start off in to get ready for Dakar. So it was a uh, boxing day, so I haven't kind of caught up on that as yet, but uh, I need to get our management crew to try and track that guy down. Um we'll send him out some more little gifts and stuff like that, but uh yeah, huge, huge, big shout out to that dude. It was uh, I, I my phone blew up like basically everyone just like sending me snap snippets of it and everything on Snapchat and whatever and saying that uh, yeah this badass guy's just caught a, uh, a six in the in the grandstand with your shirt on so it was cool. Yeah, if you're watching this, send Toby a message, prove it to you because I would love to know who that guy is as well because that was that was pretty rad. That was pretty rad. Hell yeah, that's because a lot of work goes into the merch side of it, man. Like it sort of it doesn't just happen. Like the nah. stock's literally behind you. Ainsley sends it out. Yep. Like it's not, you yeah, know what I mean? It's not an easy job, that's for sure. And it's um takes a lot of work and um but yeah, it's it's just cool to get like my name out there a little bit more and um some people to see the brand and um yeah, just kind of keep the uh, It gets the people world involved, you know. Gets people involved and um makes people feel a part of it a little bit so it's uh no it's cool 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 thing to be doing and um and getting out there sweet we'll talk to you after france bros cheers thanks guys